Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Good morning, Hope Elam. So good to be with you this morning. My name's John, one of the pastors here, and if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, would love to do that this morning. Also want to welcome in our online family out there worshiping with us wherever you are. Welcome in to the Hope Elam living room uh, here this morning. Well, it is a little extra rowdy in here for Jesus this morning, don't you think? Can I get an amen? Wow. Um, you might sense a little extra rowdiness. There's basically a bus full of counselors from Riverside Bible Camp over here, so... A little, little rowdy over there in the Jesus section uh, over there. So good to have you guys here uh, today. want to welcome you in on this Father's Day. Something about the love of a father. Something about the love of a father. And I'm honored to share the stage uh, this morning with another uh, great father, a, a mentor, a friend, current Valley High School uh, principal, uh, vice president of our church council of hope across all of our campuses. Uh, a dear friend, would you welcome, and most importantly, an awesome man of God, would you welcome David Maxwell to the stage with me up here this morning? You bet. David and I are going to do this WWF style this morning, minus the wrestling, but with the tag team uh, part of that here today. So uh, you're going to hear from David here in, in a little bit. There's something about the love of a father, and it is Father's Day. We want to welcome not only the fathers, but all of the men that are here today. We love you. You are a valuable, important part of this church community and everything that you bring as well. And so we're so glad uh, that you are here. For many of you, today is an awesome day, and you're sitting next to your dad, your grandpa, somebody that has played a, a father role in your life, uh, and, and it's a great day. Are you going to spend some time with them later on, however that looks? But for some of you, as been said, it's, it's a difficult day today. Everybody has a different family situation, and for some of you, uh, you're mourning, you're grieving. Uh, maybe this is your first Father's Day without a father or grandfather uh, around the table. Maybe for some of you, there is a strained relationship with your father or you as a father with your children. For some of you, it is a difficult situation because of divorce or a, a tension in the relationship. Or maybe for some of you, you long to be a father. But for whatever reason, that hasn't been provided yet. And so today is a very se sensitive day. It's a, it's a difficult day. But wherever you're at across the board, whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley today, know that God is with you wherever you go, and that you are in the right place. You are in your heavenly Father's house, and he's been waiting all night to hang out with you, to be with you, and we are so glad that you're here. Amen? Praise God. And some of you need to hear this today. I was thinking about this, and I've said it once, and I'll say it again, but no matter what your history, no matter your story, especially on this day, this Father's Day, you might be a product of your past, but you do not have to be a prisoner. Amen? You might be a product of your past. Every single one of us has a father. Every single one of us is who we are because of our family of origin, because of our upbringing. But it doesn't mean that that has to be the ultimate determining factor on who you are and your identity. You do not have to be a prisoner. And so today, I believe that God wants to set somebody free. 
I believe that God wants to set somebody free from, from, from languishing in, in, in guilt and shame or, or grief or sorrow or the pressure to be somebody that you're not. God wants to set you free from angerness, a- anger or bitterness or, or judgment or hatred against somebody. God wants to restore a relationship today. And I also want to encourage you that even if you're not a dad, even if you're not a dad or a dude today, this is for you. This is for you. Every single one of us is a child of God. Every single one of us is a child, not just of an earthly father, but of of a heavenly father. And I want to remind you of this today in one of the most familiar verses in all of Scripture in John chapter 3. But I want to look at it with a different lens today because it's going to set the stage for everything that we're going to talk about today in the power of relationship. Let's read it together nice and loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Some of you never got the blessing of your father. Some of you are still doubting to this day, am I loved? Am I valuable? Who am I? And you've run everywhere else looking for that identity, wondering if you are loved. Well, look no further this morning. If you're ever wondering the extent to which your heavenly father loves you, look no further than the cross. Look no further than the cross. He gave it all for you. But not only that, don't look, don't, 316 gets all the publicity. But don't forget about verse 17. You are not here, we're not called to be together as the church. You are not saved. God, God is not condemning you this morning. He's not judging you. He came to save you. And I want you to hear that this morning, especially for the guys out there. If I could speak to you a moment. You know, Dave and I were talking about this. It's Father's Day. It's Juneteenth. There's a lot to cover today. There's a lot of emotion in the room today. And I know, and I've had conversations with men that said, I'm not coming on Father's Day to worship. Well, why not? It's Father's Day. Because I don't need one more guy in a fancy suit standing on stage telling me to man up. I don't need one more guy standing on a stage that I don't know yakking at me telling me that I need to be a better man. That I need to step it up, that somehow I don't measure up, that somehow I'm not good enough, and I need to man up. Well, good news for you this morning that the message of Jesus for you men this Father's Day is not man up, it's man down. It's get on your knees and surrender and say, I need Jesus just like every other man. The invitation... The invitation this morning is not to man up and try to be enough. The invitation is to come home, is to come home. Come home to the arms of your loving Father. That was the message that we heard Mary Alice read for us just a moment ago from Luke chapter 15. Again, you're very familiar with the story. It's like the greatest hits of scripture this morning. I didn't plan that. But we got John 3, 16, and you all know the story of the prodigal son. But we want to take a completely different look at that this morning. In Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, feel free to open up because we're going to camp out there for the whole morning. Luke chapter 15. And what we read as a story is that there was a father that had two sons. And these sons were very different, and the one stayed at home, and the one said, I want to take my inheritance early. This was the younger son. And he took everything, his entire inheritance, and he went away to a faraway land, and he squandered it. I mean, drug, sex, and rock and roll, the whole bit. You name it, he did it. And he squandered it all. So much so that he's literally eating with the pigs. And he's got nothing left, and that's where we pick up the story. His life is in ruins, and in verse 18, we read this. He says, I will go home to my father, now pay attention to this part of the story, and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There are some men in the room today that feel that. I don't feel 
that. I don't feel that love. I don't feel that blessing. And maybe you see yourself in the story, sons and daughters. Please take me on as a hired servant. What is the younger son inferring? There is a distance. There is a divide that he feels between him and the father. And maybe some of you feel that this morning, that there is a distance between you and your earthly father. He's still alive. There's tension. There's brokenness in that relationship. You've never got that blessing from your father. You've never received the words of affirmation, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. I delight in you. And by the way, that blessing, if it doesn't come from your earthly father, can come from another man, and most importantly, needs to come from your heavenly father. And there's a, there's a distance, there's a divide that you feel in your relationship with God or in the relationship with the church. There's a distance, there's a dryness to your faith. For some of you, there's a distance between you and your heavenly father. You don't feel that love this morning. You don't feel that acceptance this morning. You feel far away. Well, the good news is that we have a father in heaven this morning that looks at you and says, no space between us. I don't want any space between us. No space between you and I this morning. And the good news is that so often in the story we focus on, it's called the prodigal son. What about we call it the loving father, the one that stayed? Not the one that ran away, but the one that stayed, that I imagine sat maybe for months, maybe for years, on his front porch, longing, saying, come home. Come home and be in a relationship with me. I don't want there to be any space between us. What matters is not what happened. What matters is this relationship. What matters is not what happened to you or what you did. What matters is the relationship. And at its core, Christianity is about relationship. I know there's some of you that maybe grew up in a church setting where Christianity was about rules. Christianity was primarily about duty. Christianity was primarily about a to-do list of all the things that I need to do to measure up is that somehow the cross is not enough. Christianity is not about, this isn't a book of rules or regulations or all the things you need to do to be good enough. Christianity at its core is about a relationship between you and your heavenly father. And this morning he says to you, men and women alike, no space between us. You were created for relationship. And I cannot think of a better person to help us take a deeper dive into what relationships look like, not only with our heavenly father this Father's Day, but the relationships with the people around us every day, no matter what context we find ourselves in, than my good friend, Dave Maxwell. Would you welcome David? Good morning, Hope Elam. Uh, first of all, isn't he awesome? <laughs> Holy cow. As I'm sitting over here listening and watching him, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. You got it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, thank you for such a great introduction, John. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, being an educator, I have so many relationships with so many students, both current and past. And it's amazing when they reach out and share with you a story or something that you did or said that impacted them. And so oftentimes I have a lot of people saying a really a lot of nice things about me. But I have to say this first and foremost, out the gate. I'm a sinner. Okay? I am a sinner. And I need Christ every single day in my life to help me navigate this world. 
because this world has a lot of pitfalls and a lot of traps. My prayer leading into this service was, empty me of me and fill me with you so that I can be your mouthpiece. Because, again, I'm a sinner. And I'm just so thankful, so thankful that God and I have the relationship that we do. Because I've learned that when I tried doing things on my own, it was not very good. It was very, very bad. And only through Christ has he brought me to where I am right now. Um, I do want to also just quickly acknowledge that I would not be on this stage if it were not for two very important people who happen to be here today. My parents, um, Bunny and Roger Maxwell. Um, and I, I can't think of a better dad than my father. Dad turns 90 this year. Stand up, Dad. Stand up. Just stand up real quick. Stand up. Stand up. And as you can see, even though he's turning 90, he still has the fight. He still has the fight. Um, and just real quick, Dad has been inducted into two Hall of Fames, uh, the State of Iowa African American Hall of Fame as well as the United, uh, UNI Jazz Hall of Fame. And so again, I'm just so thankful to have had the parents I've had. So I'm an educator, and I'm starting my 29th year as an educator. Um, that fast, it goes so fast. Last night, the class of 2002 from Lincoln High School, they had their 20-year class reunion, and I was privileged enough to be invited to come back. Um, and again, I can't believe how fast time has gone. But one thing I've learned is that relationships are so crucial for students to have a positive educational experience in our schools. It's the foundation of everything. It's so important that at the each of the main entrances at Valley High School where I have the chance to serve, we have a sign that basically says, by learning from each other and through caring relationships, you know you are safe, you know you are valued, you know your voice is heard, and you know you belong. But again, it's that first line, through caring relationships, because we know that students need to have that connection in order to be successful in school. Um, you know, as a teacher in a classroom, it's kind of interesting when you think about relationships in schools. And I, this is a passion. I mean, I love talking about relationships. For instance, in a, relation, in, in a classroom, there are three relationships which are vital in living and take place. The first relationship is between the teacher and the content. How well does the teacher know the content? How passionate are they about the content? The second relationship is between the teacher and the students. How well is that connection? Does the teacher know the students, really know the students? And then the third relationship is between the students and the content. One thing I always like to ask student teachers in mock interviews is, and I just want to see what, how, they, how they respond to this. You know, what's, what relationship drives the other ones? What's the most important relationship between the teacher and the content, the teacher and the students, or the students and the content? 
And most of them kind of jump back and forth between the teacher and the students and the teacher and the content. And I find that most of the time I land on the teacher and the content. Because, again, if a teacher is able to answer those tough questions such as, why do I have to learn this? Why is this important? And they can give those real-life, relevant examples as to how the content applies to life outside our walls. Oftentimes, that will just make that relationship between the students and teachers so much tighter. So again, I love talking about relationships and and love. You know, I I was thinking, this is going to be like professional development, you know, but... But talking about love and relationships, it's a little bit better than talking about formative assessments and, and proficiency scales. So, I mean, I love talking about love and relationships. But talking about relationships, the most important relationship is a relationship that God has with us. God loves us. Loves us. You know, as, as, as Pastor John talked about, there's no distance between God and us. Nothing can separate God's love from us. And we just have to get that in our heads, that God loves us. Now, when Jesus was asked, teacher, what's the most important commandment? Christ responded with, well, it's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And the way that God loves us, God wants us to love him in that same way. With all our mind, all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. But Christ followed it immediately with, and just as important, love thy neighbor. Okay? Love thy neighbor. So about 10 years ago at Valley High School, we had a group of teachers and myself called the Faculty Prayer Team. And the Faculty Prayer Team, every Friday morning we would get together and we would just talk about our faith. We would talk about scripture. And it was in one, I can't even remember what Friday it was, but I remember that we talked about 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out, for love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And we were talking about that that's God. That is God. That's God's love. It's patient and kind. It's nice. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It's not mean. It does not demand its own way. Sometimes we're able to find that compromise. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. This is the hard one. This is the hard one. Being able to let things go and forgive. 
does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. And again, never gives up on us, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. When all of a sudden I'm thinking, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. This is how God loves us. In a school, what if we built our relationships with our kids on a, with the foundation of love? And I started thinking about all the interactions I've had with students when, when I took a certain approach and a certain outcome happened. But if I took a different approach, a different outcome would happen. And I found that whenever I took the love approach, oh my gosh, it made all the difference. It made all the difference. And I really started applying this to every interaction I had with students. And I just want to share that, and, and I, I, I told Pastor John I was going to do this, and I'm not doing this as any kind of promotion, but this is just, this is a book that I wrote. It's called The Soul of an Educator. And it talks about using love as that foundation when building relationships. And I was very specific. I needed to have this candle because this is Christ. Christ illuminates the darkness. And the darkness cannot overtake the light. This is the love. So therefore, you know, when we think about this relationship, you know, this family relationship in the, today's story, in today's verses. And our family relationship is so intricate, intimate. But sometimes it can get complicated. Because in this story that we have, we have a father, we have two sons. One of the sons is a rebel. He rebels. And he ends up feeling very, very guilty about his actions. The other son is faithful, has always been there. But then becomes resentful. But then look at the heart of the father. Look at the father and how he treats both of his sons. He welcomes the first son, the rebel, back with open arms and embraces. He's not here to condemn. He's not going to make him feel guilty. He's just thankful he's back. He's thankful he's home. And the other son, he's, son, you've been here the whole time and I love you still. When we think about that heart, the heart of forgiveness, the heart of love, we just have to realize that this is God working through us. We just need to allow God to work through us. And sometimes when we come across people who are different from us or who are disrespectful, and trust me, when you work in a school, you're going to find disrespect. But again, the soul of an educator, we don't hold grudges. And we forgive. And there's one thing that I always, this is, this is where I am right now as an educator. Whenever I have a student in my office who, for whatever reason, I like to say it this way, has made a decision not in his or her best interest. <laughs> sometimes it can be serious. Sometimes the, 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 the behavior infraction can be very serious. Like laws are broken, charges are, 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 are uh, filed. 
But I always like to tell them this. First of all, I'm an educator. Just need you to learn from this. Learn from this mistake so you don't repeat the same mistake. And second of all, I just want you to think about this. You've been out to an, to an amusement park. And you know at an amusement park, whenever they have a new ride, that ride has the longest line. If you're at Adventureland, they have a new ride, that ride has the longest line because everybody wants to ride the ride. You can imagine if there was a new ride called the Ride of Bad Decisions. And how long that line would be. And I tell my kids, you'd be so far in line behind me. You'd be so far in line behind me. I just want them to know that what they do does not define them. Just learn from your mistakes. Just learn from your mistakes. So again, we think about the heart of the Father. We think about the heart of God. And are we reflecting that love? We have a choice. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Thanks, It's all about relationship. It's all about the power of relationship, whether you're an educator in a school, in our families, as a church family, or certainly here in Luke 15. It's all about relationships. And so God says, I want you to be in a relationship with me. I want to experience that love with you. And I want you to be close so that I can remind you this morning, men and women alike, I want to remind you of who you are. From, from principal or educator to, to student, or to our divine mentor, to our Father in heaven, to us, he says, I want to remind you of who you are. Every single one of you, equally valuable in God's eyes. Maybe earlier this year I said, oh man, Father's Day and Juneteenth are on the same, that's a lot to cover. And then I thought about it more, I said, I love it that Father's Day and Juneteenth are on the same day. Because what better day to remind us that our Heavenly Father has created every single one of us with an intrinsic value and worth, equal in the eyes of God. Amen? That's who we are as a church. And because the ground is level at the foot of the cross, because every single one of us has equal value and worth, that it does not matter where we came from, where we grew up, who our father was or wasn't, or the color of our skin. We have a God that is passionate about justice and is passionate about those that are oppressed being set free. That's who our God is. That's why this day matters. And I'm so thankful for Ramonda and Matthew for sharing what they did and educating us earlier. If this is new for you, if you're like, what in the world is Juneteenth? I thought I was just coming for a church service. Well, let me remind you of the heart of God. And I want to challenge you this morning that this has been a part of my journey over the last couple years. And I want to challenge you with some action steps today as you think about that. If you're not educated, seek education. If you don't know about it, create awareness in your life. You can also do that by practicing listening, a lost art in our world today. When's the last time you sat down with the intent of fully listening and understanding instead of changing somebody's mind, instead of getting your way? When it comes to things that you don't understand, what's the history of Juneteenth? Why does it matter for our nation? Why does it matter for us as a church? Education, practice listening, and last but not least, let your voice be heard. Do the work of fighting injustice. 
Do the work of Jesus. It is at the very core of who we are as followers of Jesus. We are not going to stand here and worship the Father every single Sunday and then pretend like his, all of his children don't matter the rest of the week. Amen? This is who we are as a church. We're not going to say one thing in church on Sunday morning and live a completely different way outside these walls. This is who we are as God's people. And knowing our diversity as a community and knowing that there's a variety of us that from a lot of different places and relationships maybe have a different level of awareness around these topics of equality and and, and racial justice and all of these things that we're talking about today. That as a good father, we have a God that comforts the afflicted. If this day comes with mixed emotions for you, whether because it's Father's Day or because it's Juneteenth, and because we know the checkered past of this nation, we have a God that comforts the afflicted. And at the same time, our God is so good, he's a good father, we have a God that afflicts the comfortable. Amen? And maybe for some of us, we need to get shaken out of our comfort zones a little bit. And we need to have awareness of those things that we've become ignorant of as a nation that we need to seek the education, that we need to practice active listening. As a good father, our father, our heavenly father, is more interested in our maturity than our complacency. Our God wants us to move to maturity rather than to stay in complacency, whether that's your awareness of the issues that divide us of a nation or it's the things that divide you and your relationship with God. We cannot stay in complacency. It would be far easier to stay ignorant. It would be far easier, for example, for us not to be sitting here this morning with a packed worship center to say, hey, it would have just been easier if we would have kept Sunday morning segregated. It would have been far easier if we just say blacks over here and whites over here, and that's what everybody else is doing, so maybe that's what the church should be like. It would have been far easier to do that. It'd be far easier to assume that we're the only game in town, and we've got this big old nice church, and it's all about Hope Elam. Or, or we could have a kingdom mindset like Jesus. And we got a glimpse of that last night. How many of you were at the Summer Bash last night? Anybody? So, so amazing. I think we've got a picture of that we can throw up uh, on the screen as well. Close to 500 people from four different churches of every race and every background worshiping Jesus together last night at the park. Praise God for that. Not just worshiping together, but celebrating this Juneteenth weekend. Celebrating each other praying for each other, other churches to succeed, for one another's successes of seeking first the kingdom. And I was reminded once again, whether in education or in your family, whatever, as a church, great things are possible if you don't care who gets the credit. Great things are possible if it doesn't matter which church's name is branded on that. That's not what ultimately matters. We're building the kingdom of God. This, this event was birthed out of, you guessed it, relationship. We've been meeting with these other pastors now for over a year, and this event of unity, of coming together on this Juneteenth weekend, was a result of relationship, was a result of being together, and it will not be the last time that we do something together as the kingdom, as the church of Des Moines. And I'm so grateful for the relationships that have opened my eyes, that I've tried to practice listening Great leaders, mentors in my life, as I've listened and learned from people like David, as I've listened to learn from other great leaders and from many of you, God has opened my eyes to these things. And I wanted to share this helpful understanding of kind of the path I feel like that God takes people through, through a different understanding as we develop these relationships. Go ahead and go to the next slide. It seems like relationships create the opportunity for proximity. 
that we're close to each other, that we can listen to each other. When we are in proximity, that can create awareness. Now I can understand where you're coming from. And not only that, but that awareness creates empathy. I can picture, I can say, what would it be like to walk in your shoes? To, to imagine what it would like to be you on any topic. And awareness creates the opportunity for empathy. And finally, empathy creates the opportunity for change. Amen? And that's what we're ultimately after. When we talk about racial injustices in this nation, we talk about our mission as the church, this is what we're about. We can't change what we're not aware of. Celebrating Juneteenth is not a once-a-year holiday that we tip our cap to at a church. Celebrating Juneteenth is a major victory for the kingdom of God in our nation, that it is a national holiday, and we celebrate that, and we rejoice over that. Some of you are thinking, oh, no, 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 no. There's like these issues of justice over here, and then there's the real gospel. This is the real gospel. Jesus stands up and opens up the scroll at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 2, and he declares, this is, this is why I'm here. This is my mission statement. This is what I'm all about. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Luke chapter 4. Let's read it together. Jesus says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. What does it mean when God's kingdom breaks in? It means that slavery is no more. It means that every single person is equal in the eyes of God, and we love each other that way, that we exude our relationships in that way. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom of God. And so we celebrate that. It's not over here, and the gospel's over here. This is the very heartbeat of the gospel, and I pray that you would open yourself to that. That we would have a posture of learning and listening. And so as David shares just a little bit more of his story, I pray that you would listen with an ear to understand so that proximity can lead to awareness. And as we gain that awareness, we go deeper and deeper in relationship with each other. So I'm watching the clock and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I told Pastor John, one thing I have to do when I speak publicly is I have to make sure I'm not speaking too fast. I might speed it up a little bit. So when I taught, uh, here's my educational journey. Uh, I first of all served eight years as a language arts teacher at Lincoln High School, then three years as dean of students at Hoover, and I'm in my 18th year at Valley. But when I was at Lincoln High School as that classroom teacher, in my fourth year I was asked if I would teach African American studies. Uh, and I said, absolutely, absolutely, because I know that if you teach something, that's when you really learn it. Okay? If you teach something, that's when you really learn it. So if you have an opportunity to teach somebody a skill or something, take advantage of it because you'll learn it yourself. Racism is alive. Racism is here. It's present. It's everywhere in our country. And I know that sometimes that does not sound fun or sound easy or sound good, but it's real. And here's an example. The achievement gap that we experience in our school. Sometimes it's called the privilege gap. Sometimes it's called the opportunity gap. But basically there is a gap in achievement between white and Asian students and what I call our brown-skinned students, our Latino, Hispanic, and African-American kids. There's this gap in learning. Gap in achievement. And it's not just in West Des Moines. 
or Des Moines, or Waterloo, or Burlington, or Bettendorf, or Minneapolis, or Omaha, or Dallas, or Denver, or Los Angeles, or Chicago, or New York, it's everywhere. It's even in Australia with the Aboriginal populations. And why? Let's think about this just for a second. In 1896, Plessy versus Ferguson, landmark Supreme Court case, ruled that separate but equal facilities were constitutional. It was okay to have separate facilities based on race as long as they were equal. In 1954, Thurgood Marshall, lead counsel for the NAACP, convinced the Warren Court that this is not constitutional. Separate is unequal. Separate cannot be equal. And when they researched the schools, they saw the dilapidated schools that a lot of the African-American kids had to go to and the white schools and the schools that the white kids would go to. Vast differences, resources, leaky roofs, bad materials, bad lab equipment, outdated books. So the Warren Court ruled, time to integrate the schools. It took 18 years for the last school to be integrated because they had a little provision in there that said with all, um, all due speed. 18 years it took the schools to become fully integrated. Because the idea was if you bring different kids from different races, different backgrounds together in the same schools, walking the same hallways, in the same classroom, receiving the same instruction from the same teacher, that would eliminate the achievement gap. So why do we have it? Why is it still here? Because there's, this, there's the, a, a, a belief that some students can't learn at high levels. That some students are going to demonstrate behaviors not academically responsible. That is ridiculous to believe that intelligence is determined by race, by the color of your skin. Absolutely ridiculous. So therefore, we have, to, see, we have to, to look at how can we change our classrooms? How can we change how we approach kids? How can we change learning? This is what equity is about. It's about giving those students who need a little bit more, more, and helping them achieve at those high levels with the belief that they can achieve at those high levels. Amen. So therefore, what does that mean? Now, when we think about love, how does love play into all of this? Remember, love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. It does not rejoice about injustice. And if there are unjust acts, if there is, is our lies being perpetrated, we have to be honest. We have to come clean. We have to learn about our history, know our history, trying to cover up our history does not do us any favors. It just prolongs the problem. But at the same time, love is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Now, when, you, when we forgive, it doesn't mean that we forget. It means that we let go of hatred. We let go of adversity. We let go of those things in our heart which hold grudges against people or make us look at people from different backgrounds in a certain way with a certain mindset and a certain belief. We have to let that go. Because when we think about the Lord's Prayer, there's two things in the Lord's Prayer that I always come back to. You know, you know we, we just say it so automatically. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I wrote this book, this is part of it. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Love in heaven, bring it down to earth so that we resemble what's happening in heaven. But then the other part is, and forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who trespass against us. Shouldn't that be reversed? Because if we ask God to forgive us as we forgive others, I don't know if that's going to work very well because some of us have a hard time of letting things go. It should be, please, allow us to forgive others as you forgive us. So therefore, this is why what we are doing, what you are doing here at Elam is so amazing. This church is amazing. This is God's love on earth, bringing people from different backgrounds together in one space and worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Dr. King used to say that one of the most segregated times in America is on Sunday morning. We're trying to erase that. We're trying to change the game. The worship team this morning, so awesome. It was so beautiful just seeing the, 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 the diversity. It's so amazing what, what is happening at Hope Elam. You're doing it. You're doing it. Keep it up. Invite more to come into our building, into this space, with the love that Christ has for you. Taking off all the filters that, 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 that make us see people in a certain way. Every interaction that we have from now on moving forward, let that love from Christ really dictate our words and our actions. Remember, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. And so this is where we want to land today as we come full circle. The bookends of this entire message today are this simple story of a father and two sons. It's about the power of relationship. Whether it's in the literal classroom or whatever classroom God's given you, how will you respond in love? What context has God given you? And there's a couple ways that we can respond. Whether it's hearing difficult, difficult parts of our history as a nation. Whether it's working through the difficult parts of your past personally whether it's hearing the love that God has for you this Father's Day. There's a couple different ways that we can respond. Imagine a road with two ditches. Go ahead and go to the next slide. On one hand, on, on one ditch, we can live in denial or pride. We can say, oh, racism doesn't exist, or there's not real issues, and why can't we just all get along, or it doesn't really affect me, because that hasn't been my experience, and so I'm not going to deal with that. On, on the other ditch, it's the opposite, and we've seen this be the case a lot, whether it's here in worship or whether it's in classes that we do about racial unity, whatever that might be, there's a lot of people walking out going, I feel so guilty. I feel so sad. I feel so terrible. I'm a, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. There's no hope for me because of all these things that have happened or because of the judgment or the hatred or the racism that lives in me and we can live in the other ditch of guilt or shame. I got really good news for you. Neither one of those ditches are biblical. Neither one of those ditches is what God calls us to. Because that's not where the story goes. You remember the story. There are two different brothers. And there is a younger brother that finally says, I'm going to come back. And he is filled with guilt 
and shame. And if he would have stayed there, he never would have felt the loving embrace of his father again. But a lot of times we think that the prodigal son is the one that ran away. But there was an older brother that when the younger son came back and was embraced by the loving arms of his father, a party broke out. A celebration. His life mattered. His life mattered. And they celebrated that the lost was found. And there was an older brother looking over the shoulder in denial, in pride. And we read that the older brother was angry and wouldn't even go into the party because if somebody else gets the attention and if somebody else gets the focus, well, then it's not on me. And yet the father turns to him and says, my love has been here for you all along. How are you going to respond today? When you hear that your heavenly father loves you, that we celebrate the lost being found, Are you going to stand at a distance and say, well, it's not really my thing, it's not really for me? Or you allow yourself to go in and experience the party. Don't miss the party. Don't miss the celebration. Don't miss the joy. Because it says that while the younger son was a long way off, and if some of you feel a long way off today, whatever that means in your relationship with your own earthly father or with your heavenly father, know that Jesus is saying, this is me, this is you, this is the power of relationship, and you come running into my arms today to receive the blessing, to receive the love that you never got. You're my son. You're my daughter. It's the power of relationship. Don't miss the celebration today. What that might look like for you today is a variety of ways. There's a variety of next steps. Maybe it's receiving that prayer today. We'll have prayer partners in the back after the service that would love to pray over you, to extend the blessing of God over you. Maybe it's seeking out people that aren't like you. As David was talking about, every single one of us has a classroom. It may not be at Valley High School, but every single one of you has a place to build relationships with people that are not like you. Join a small group. Get to know other people. Men, have you finally reached the point where you realize that you can put on the the happy face, but you can't do it by yourself? What a great day on Father's Day to say, I need other dudes in my life. I need other guys. And today we've got some leaders from our men's ministry that are going to be at the New to Hope Elam Center out there. Every single man on his way out today, I'm modeling it for you this morning, is going to receive one of these awesome bracelets. And it simply says, iron sharpens iron. Right out of Proverbs, men, that we need each other to sharpen each other. Guys need guys. Amen? That's who we are. We need each other. Get connected today. Go to the Hope New to Hope Elam Center. Find somebody and connect with them today. Don't do life alone. And last but not least, you know, the story in Luke 15, there's a, there's a party that breaks out. There's a There's a celebration that that, that breaks out and there's there's dancing and and celebration and, and joy. And so I think that's how we should end today because Jesus has found every single one of us. Wherever you are online or in the room, let's stand up and let's worship together. I thank God. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.